Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of 1 Samuel, chapter 11. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Question? Anybody know where Broken Bow, Nebraska is? Anybody heard of it? You broke one person, two, anybody? Let me try that again. Broken Bow, two. Broken Bow, three. Is there four? Is there four, five. Is there six? Uh, Broken Bow, Nebraska. Never heard of it until I read this story. Listen, a weary truck driver pulled his rig into an all-night truck stop, and the waitress had served him when three tough leather jacket motorcyclists named Tim Fontaine. Oh, I'm just kidding. I'm sorry. It just doesn't say that there. I just ha- happened to think of it. I'm sorry. Two tough motorcycle jack- jacket wearing motorcyclist people <laughs> walked in. And this leather jacket motorcyclist decided to give the trucker a hard time. Uh, They verbally abused him. One grabbed his hamburger and took a handful of fries. One of them picked up his coffee and took a drink. Well, the trucker didn't respond, as you might expect. Instead, he calmly got up, picked up his check, walked to the cashier, paid the bill, and walked out. Well, the waitress watched him walk away and watched while the big truck drove away into the night. When she came back, one of the bikers said, well, he's not much of a man, is he? She said, I don't know about that, but he sure ain't much a truck driver. He just ran over three motorcycles in the parking lot. Amen. I think think if we are honest, if all of us were honest, we all have feelings of uh, retaliation and payback. Uh, We seem to like um, the movies where the bad guy gets his payback and gets revenge. And um, the question is, is there ever a time for retaliation? Is there ever a time when it's right to get someone back for something they've done? Or is it godly? Is it always, should we always as Christians be passive and loving and turn the other cheek? Well, tonight, we're going to answer that question as the first king of Israel has just been anointed king of Israel. Uh, If you were with us the last time, you know that Israel wanted a king uh, because they wanted to be like the other nations. They were rejecting the rulership of God and crying out for the rulership of man. And God said, fine, you want a king? I'll give you a king. And God gave them king, anybody know his name? 
Saul. You remember chapter 10, we were in the last time. Right about verse 1, if you want to look at it, Samuel took a flask of oil and anointed Saul as king. And just by way of reminder, let me give you the outline for the book in case you've not been with us. The outline for the book of 1 Samuel, uh, just to remind you, 1 Samuel chapter 1 through 7 is written about Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 8 through 15 is written about who saints? Saul. And Saul is the first king of Israel. And then 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 31 is written about David. Really easy. 1 through 7 is written about Saul. 8 through 15 is written about, pardon me, 1 through 7 is written about Samuel. 8 through 15 is written about Saul. And 16 through 31 is written about David. Well, we've been in the second section, chapter 10. Uh, The last time, uh, they had the coronation ceremony for Saul. And uh, Samuel gathered all the tribes together. You remember in chapter 10? Samuel gathered all the tribes together and narrowed them down to Saul. And the announcer, I love that scene there in chapter 10. As the announcer at the coronation ceremony, all the people are gathered together and the praise people are there and the musicians and everyone is present for the coronation for uh, King Saul. And so the announcer says, ladies and gentlemen, I want you to put your hands together and make some noise for your new king. And the curtain opens and no Saul. He's hiding among the equipment. And finally, Saul steps forward and the people begin to ooh and ah, yes, oh, he's a king. He looks like a king. He's great looking and he's tall and dark and handsome. And, you know, the people shouted, long live the king, remember? Well, after the coronation ceremony, it seems that Saul went back to his hometown and he's farming and tending livestock. He's back to business as usual after the big event of presenting him as king. Saul went back to the job that was unfashionable. His critics were merciless, and his supporters were dumbfounded. While out in the field, Saul hears of a battle that's going on in the north. And then beginning in chapter 11, Saul gets a report that the Ammonites want to put the eyes out of the people of Israel. Well, needless to say, that's upsetting. Saul got angry and thought it's time to retaliate. Got a pen? I've titled this sermon, The Right Eye. 1 Samuel chapter 11, saints, we're going to pick up in verse 1. And uh, I don't know. We'll see where we stop. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 11, and uh, look at verse 1. If you're looking at verse 1, say amen. amen. Then Nahash the Ammonite came up and encamped against Jabesh Gilead. And all the men of Jabesh said to Nahash, make a covenant with us and we will serve you. And Nahash the Ammonite answered them, on this condition, I will make a covenant with you that I may underline this in your neighbor's Bible, that I may put out your right eye and bring reproach on all of Israel. Well, then the elders of Jabesh said to him, verse three is fascinating to me, said to him, Hold off for seven days that we may send some messengers to all the territory of Israel. And then if there is no one to save us, we will come out to you and let you put out our eyes. 
It's in the Greek. So the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul and told the news in the hearing of the people and all the people lifted up their voices and they wept. Now, there was Saul coming behind the herd from the field. And Saul said, what troubles the people that they weep? And they told him the words of the men of Jabesh and the spirit in verse six, the spirit of the Lord. Matter of fact, come on, read verse six with me. The spirit of God came upon Saul when he heard this news and his anger was greatly aroused. And so he took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all the territory of Israel by the hands of a messenger saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Samuel to battle, so it shall be done to his oxen. And the fear of the Lord fell on all the people, and they came out with one consent. Uh, Let's stop right there. Uh, Give me your attention. Jabesh Gilead, if you have a pen, you might want to write this down. Jabesh Gilead is in Transjordan. It's up on the other side of the Jordan River in the area of the Golan Heights. It's in this area that there is a king named Nahash. Got a pen? Nahash, his name means serpent. Serpent. Now, who does this to their children? What are we going to name him, honey? You just had a little boy. What are we going to name him, honey? Well, let's name him John. How about George? Um, Michael. Shaquan. Uh, How about Nahash? Yeah, yeah, let's name him Serpent. Serpent, that's a good name for a kid. Who does this to their children? His name is Serpent. You name him Serpent. The children of Israel in our text is making a deal with the serpent. Just keep that in the back of your head. Now, let me tell you a little bit of history here about the Ammonites. 400 years ago in the book of Judges, Israel whooped the Ammonites in a battle. So the Ammonites have been holding a grudge for a really long time. If you fast forward to chapter 12, verse 12 in 1 Samuel, go ahead and look there if you want. It tells us that the Ammonites' threats were building for some time now. So we know that Israel has been living in fear of the Ammonites, which is probably why the people are demanding a king from Saul. The Ammonites were descendants of Lot's relationship with his daughters along with the Moabites. So they are blood relatives, the Ammonites in Israel, they're blood relatives, and they are sadistic, perpetual enemies of Israel. They were terrorists, and they are brutal. As a matter of fact, in Amos chapter 1, verse 13, it tells us, God tells us just how brutal and heartless they actually were. Amos 1.13 says this, For three transgressions of the people of Ammon, and for four, I will not turn away its punishment, because they ripped open the woman with child in Gilead, that they might enlarge their territory. God said that. In other words, God is telling us that we are dealing with a group of people who will stop at nothing. Any terrorist activity is open, even ripping children out of pregnant women to terrorize people. Notice, to enlarge their territory or to get more land. Interesting. 
This is why the people of Gilead here in our text are so afraid and quickly surrender because they know that these guys are brutal. So get the scene. Israel wakes up one morning. The Ammonites are surrounding them. Israel knows that they can't beat them. So they're thinking, what are we going to do? So Jabesh said to Nahash, let's make a deal. Make a covenant up with us and we'll serve you. And Nahash said, okay, fine. I'll make a deal with you. You guys let me gouge out your right eye and bring a reproach on you. And in verse three, Israel says, let us have seven days to think about it and we'll get back to you on that. (laughs) This is probably one of the most bizarre scriptures that I have ever read in all of my 30 years of reading the Bible. This is bizarre, just bizarre. Nahash says, we wanna take you into slavery and put your right eye out. And they said, give us some time to think about that. Who does this? (laughs) Who does this? Now listen, to put the eye out, let me tell you what this meant. To put the eye out meant to completely debilitate them. If you gouge out the eye, and particularly the right eye, you take away depth perception. If you gouge out the eye, you take away peripheral vision. If you take away peripheral vision, you're useless for battle. They only want to take out notice one eye, because if you're going to be a servant, you need at least one eye. Amen? You you knew that. Notice the right eye they want to gouge out. The right eye in the Bible, did you know? The right eye in the Bible is symbolic of judgment or assessment. Judgment or assessment. Even in battle, if you don't have the right eye, you won't be able to fight and judge and assess things properly. Now listen, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, memory verse, tells us, lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are, matter of fact, this is on the screen, can y'all read that with me? Lest Satan should take advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of Satan's devices. So one of Satan's devices, listen, is to put out your right eye. The enemy always wants to take away our ability to assess. Can somebody say amen? The enemy always wants to take away our ability to judge, our ability to evaluate, our ability to calculate, our ability to look at a situation spiritually. He wants to take away our perspective. He wants to take away our ability to perceive and to make decisions correctly. And one of Satan's tools and Satan's bag of tricks is to take away our ability to see clearly the plan of God and to make us one-eyed warriors. Listen, I just told you something right there. Satan wants to make you a one-eyed warrior because to make you a one-eyed warrior renders you ineffective. You can't do battle. Now, when I read this, uh, maybe you did too, I immediately thought of Samson. You remember Samson? Samson is Israel's 10th and final judge. Uh, You know the story. Samson didn't have one eye poked out. He had both eyes poked out. Judges chapter 14. Matter of fact, why don't you travel with me to Judges? Turn in your Bible to Judges 14. Just go backward. One book, Judges chapter 14. And we're just going to travel around in Judges just for a few moments. Look at Judges 14. Judges 14, I want you to look at verse 1. We're talking about Samson. 
We're talking about putting out the eye. Look at Judges chapter 14. If you're in verse, uh, if you're in chapter 14, verse 1, say amen. Notice the Bible tells us, now Samson went down. I want you to stop right there. Samson went down. These few words are the epithet of Samson's entire life. Samson went down. Samson was a he-man with a she-weakness. Samson goes down to Timnath. You know that, don't you? Samson went down to Timnath, and he sees a woman, and he marries her. You know the story. And his mom and his dad were telling him, Samson, I don't think that's a good idea. Uh, You ought not uh, 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 do that. And Samson wouldn't listen. And Samson's just doing whatever he wants to do, even though he was consecrated to God. He finds himself in the vineyard, and he wasn't supposed to be around wine and grapes and raisins. And on his way home, a lion roared at him, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, the Bible tells us, and and he tore a lion apart limb from limb, no problem. Look at Judges chapter 14, look at verse 8. He sees a carcass of a dead animal, and it wasn't filled with maggots or worms. It was filled with honey and bees. Samson took the honey and he ate it and he gave some to his mom and dad. Keep in mind, he wasn't supposed to be around anything dead. Samson had killed a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a donkey. Turn over to chapter 15 of uh, Judges and look at verse 4. Chapter 15, verse 4. I told you we'd travel around a little bit. Samson had taken fire and tied it to the tail of some jackals and burned the crops of the Philistines. Samson is just doing crazy stuff. Look at chapter 16, verse 4. There's a contract out on Samson's life. He's public enemy number one. He's in the capital city of the Philistines. And it's there that he meets a woman in Sorek. Her name is, what's her name? Delilah. Write it down. Delilah means to weaken and impoverish. To weaken. Now, who does that? Hmm, what should we name her? Susan. Nancy. I know. Let's name her to weaken and impoverish. Delilah, that's her name. Now, listen, Samson should buy a clue. Buy a clue. If you meet a woman whose name means to weaken and impoverish, guess what she's going to do to you? She's going to weaken you and impoverish you. Hello, McFly. He didn't buy a clue. You know the story. Delilah entices Samson and finds out how to prevail against him. Samson is intoxicated with temptation and he doesn't see it. Delilah is straightforward and tells him point blank. She said, Sammy, where do you get your strength? Judges 16, 6, so I can afflict you, Judges 16, 6. She asked him three times. He told her, if you weave seven locks of my hair in a loom, then I'll be weak. She takes a rope, she ties his hands, she ties his hair to the loom, and Samson gets right up and walks away, pulling the whole loom. I need a DVD. Look at Judges chapter 16, verse 12. It tells us just that. Now remember, Samson was a Nazarite, and part of the Nazarite vow was he wasn't to touch anything dead, he wasn't to drink wine, and what else was he not to do? Cut his hair. Delilah cut his hair while he was asleep. Samson had made one bad decision after another, and now he's gone too far. Now they've cut his hair. And don't be deceived by the cartoons. His strength wasn't in his hair. 
His strength was in the fact that the Lord was with him. Somebody say amen. His strength was in his consecration to the Lord, which he had broken. And when he cut his hair, that was symbolic of that. And one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible is in Judges chapter 16 and verse 20. Go ahead and look at it. Samson did not know the Lord had departed from him. That's one of the saddest verses in the entire Bible. And at the same time, the Philistines came in and took Samson captive and deported him to Gaza in shackles. And I told you, disobedience to God will cause four things to happen. Please write this down. I'm asking you to write this down. Four things will happen. Deportation, incarceration, mutilation, and humiliation. When you are disobedient to God, these four things will happen. Deportation, incarceration, mutilation, and humiliation. Deportation. The Bible says they took him to Gaza. Incarceration. They bound him with bronze shackles. Mutilation. They gouged out his eyes. Humiliation. They sent him or set him to grinding or doing the work of slaves and animals. And remember I told you, sin will bind you, sin will blind you, and sin will grind you. In our text, the the Ammonites, they want to put out one eye. Go back over to Samuel with me, if you will. They want to put out one eye, not both like Samson, but one. And notice Israel's answer again. Verse 3, give us seven days to find some help and we'll go from there. And the first thing, this this amazes me because the thing that I don't see in this text is I don't see trust for the Lord or trust in the Lord. They're in a difficult place, aren't they? Maybe even an impossible place. But we serve a God who specializes in the impossible and the miraculous, don't we? Psalm 27, Psalm 20, verse 7. Some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will trust, anybody know the rest? In the name of our God or in the name of the Lord God. Some men trust in chariots and some men trust in horses. That's the power of the flesh. That's the power of your strength. But we will trust in the name of our Lord. If you want to see God do the impossible, you got to be put in an impossible situation. And then you ask him and then you trust him. I don't see trust in the Lord here. Verse 3 tells us, they said, give us seven days to think about it. That's a strange answer. But it's true, isn't it? When people are willing to compromise with the enemy, they make strange decisions. And they make strange requests. Obviously, now watch this. You're going to love it. Obviously, Nahash isn't intimidated at all. You need seven days? Go ahead. I'm amazed he didn't say, take two weeks. If you need two weeks, take two weeks. Take a month. We're going to wait right here. Take a month. You need seven days? Fine. He's not intimidated. He doesn't feel threatened at all. Why? Because in your own time, this is your own reading. Judges 19 through chapter 21. Judges chapter 19, chapter 20, and chapter 21. I will tell you quickly. We have the story of a Levite who had taken a concubine to a certain city. And while in that city, he met a man who let him stay in the house. And while in that house, some perverted men came to the door asking a Levite to give up the concubine that they might know her. And the owner of the house said, 
you can have the concubine and my virgin daughters, just leave the men alone. And so they took the concubine and they raped her and they left her laying at the door dead. The Levite saw this and he was so upset that he decided to send a message to Israel. Okay, this next section is rated R for extreme and graphic violence. He then took that woman and he cut her up in 12 pieces and he sent her pieces to all 12 tribes of Israel. If you know your Bible, you know this story. He sent her body to all 12 tribes of Israel. And the message was this. You guys need to come and help me fight these barbarians and help us to win this battle. And if you don't, this is the judgment you'll face. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch, in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.